Hi, this is Chris Campbell, and welcome to the Food Institute podcast. This week, we are happy to welcome Sandra Noonan, Chief Sustainability Officer at Just Salad, to the show. And we'll be taking a look at Just Salad's climate-labeled menu and sustainability in the food service industry overall. But first, whether you are a first-time listener or becoming something of a regular, we ask that you share this episode on your social media platforms. It really helps us to expand our reach, and we appreciate it when you do so. And I should also note we're available on Spotify and Apple iTunes now, so you can take a look for us on those platforms and subscribe if they are your platform of choice. So with all that said, I will introduce Sandra and start off by asking her how she's doing today. So how are you, Sandra? Hi, Chris. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well, and we're really glad to have you on the show. Uh, I'd just like to start off by asking you to give a little background on yourself and just salad for our listeners who may not be familiar. Sure. Um, so... Um, I um, am Chief Sustainability Officer at Just Salad. We are a uh, U.S. restaurant chain that seeks to make everyday health and everyday sustainability possible for everyone. Um, we were founded in 2006, and we're located in six U.S. states, uh, primarily along the East Coast. Our major markets are New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, Florida, North Carolina, and um Personally, just a little background on me. Um, I'm from Orlando, Florida, born and raised, um, and um, had a very early interest in science and nature and uh, made my way to Just Salad after um, working in several New York big companies, um, including the Morgan Stanley Institute for Sustainable Investing. Um, but as I started to live more of a zero-waste lifestyle, I was really, really um, attracted to Just Salad's um, approach to um, reusables. They have a, we have a reusable bowl program, the largest in the world. And that eventually led to a job because I was so intrigued by the whole program that um, I got in touch with our, our founder and CEO. And over time, that grew into the role I have now at the company. And I think we can talk a little bit about the bowl recycling program, but I think something that'll be useful as well to start off the conversation is just to discuss this climate label menu. I know we're going to talk about a bunch of different aspects of it. So I was wondering if you can give our listeners a brief overview of what the menu is and what you guys sought to achieve by, uh, by developing it. For sure. So the initiative you're talking about is uh, carbon labeling, um, what we call it anyway. And what Just Salad has done is developed a, an estimate of the carbon emissions associated with every item on our menu. So today, if you go to justsalad.com slash menu, or you go to orderjustsalad.com, when you look at a menu item, there you'll see a globe uh, icon. And next to that globe icon, there's going to be a number. And the units of measurement for that number are going to be kilograms of carbon dioxide equivalent. So you'll see kilograms, CO2E for short. And what that means is um, we have estimated the emissions from growing and transporting the items, the, the ingredients in that menu item. And we um, launched our carbon labels in September 2020. And the bigger message here, Chris, is that we feel like the carbon label is the um, 21st century nutrition label. Um, what I mean by that is we're, we're entering an era where consumers want to have positive impact on the trajectory of climate change through their consumption, through their choices. And the carbon label is a way to introduce transparency into um, the decision-making 
um, stage for the consumer and let them choose items that are lower impact. So that's the carbon labeling initiative. And I'm also happy to talk about our climatarian menu, which we launched alongside that. Um, but that, that's kind of the overview of what we've done. So for someone that may not be completely up to speed on you know, the importance of climate or carbon labeling, why would you, what would you say to a consumer in trying to explain why it's so important to view food in this lens instead of you know, maybe a traditional viewpoint on nutrition or even just you know, personal preference when you're looking to buy some food? So it's, it's another data point for the consumer. And the reason that we feel really strongly about carbon labeling is because we know the research tells us a few things. One, it tells us that most Americans want to do something to um, uh, address climate change, but half of Americans feel helpless to do so. So that's data point number one. The, ne the, the next data point that intrigued us was the fact that 26%, so more than a quarter of global greenhouse gas emissions come from the food system. And a lot of that 26% is related to the choices we make when we buy food. So the implication there is by favoring plant-based diets and moving away from animal proteins, not completely, but shifting in that direction, we can really, really have an impact on the greenhouse gas emissions from the food system. But in order to do that, you have to empower the consumer to, um, or you have to empower the consumer with some information um, that they can quickly and easily process. And so the carbon label is a way to eat in a way that aligns with your values. If you want to come to Just Salad and eat for flavor, that we've got that, we've covered that for you, we've got delicious food. If you want to eat for nutrition, you've obviously come to the right place. It's a salad restaurant. If you want to eat for planetary health, it's really hard. You've, all, you've come to the right place, but it's really hard to know which salad is more potentially um, good for the, the planet without some kind of indicator. So for all of those reasons, we just think that carbon labeling um, gives a new dimension to eating for people who choose to, who want to eat in a way that's planet centric or climate climate friendly. And in hearing you talk about Just Salad, it would appear that this kind of labeling is something that's, uh, you know, I guess, attached to your core values. But I would like to talk a little bit about the journey from conceptualization to deployment of the menu. Uh, can you give us a little overview of between making the decision to make this menu and all the steps in between, you know, just kind of give an idea of what that journey was like trying to establish this menu, which was the first in the country to actually do this was Just Salad, correct? It was, yeah. We're the first U.S. restaurant chain to do it. Um and the journey was, I would say it occurred in phases. Um, so the first phase of, it was a 10-month project to, to bring this to light. And the first phase of it, we thought a lot about the presentation of the carbon label and how it would be received by our customers. We really wanted to nail that because... You can, you can go very wrong with a label and make it too complicated. You can go too simple with a label 
and kind of render it meaningless or some, or you know, people might ignore it. So you really, we really spent a lot of time looking at how other countries um, have approached carbon labeling and it's happened a little bit in Europe. So we had some research to, to, to dig into. And so the first phase of the project was really thinking about the label itself. Obviously, another big phase of the project was calculating um, the emissions themselves, and that took a lot of time and um, effort. And um, then we got to the part where we were patting ourselves on the back. We've calculated these emissions labels. We think we've labeled it. We've we've created the right um, look for the label. Now, are we really going to achieve what we want to achieve, which is helping people make the best possible choices for the planet? And as we thought about it, we realized that a lot of people are not going to have the time as they're ordering lunch to parse a cal- uh, I'm sorry, a carbon label. So we came up with the climatarian menu, which is a curation of our lowest emissions items. And it's kind of a shortcut. So if you don't really want to learn about a carbon label on any given day, you can just head over to the climatarian menu, click, choose any of those salads, and you know you're making a climate smart choice. Um, so, so that was that. Those were the many phases of the project um, in a nutshell. So I'd like to jump into some of the consumer reaction to the deployment of the menu and the labels in a little bit, but I also would like to just talk about what you were saying there, according to uh, uh, basically measuring the carbon input of all these different items. So in conversations we had before this call, we kind of discussed how there isn't a regulating body or an accrediting body out there that is currently kind of putting a carbon label, uh, I guess, a neutral carbon label out there. So I was wondering what kind of challenges did you face in trying to collect this data and put it together in a way that's scientifically sound? So it is true that Carbon footprinting analysis, also known as life cycle analysis, is a difficult exercise um, for an average person to do. In other words, this is occurring today at the level of academia, where you have trained um, experts calculating carbon footprints. I think that's going to change in the next few years, and we're going to see more user-friendly tools to estimate carbon emissions of everything from uh, romaine lettuce to a t-shirt. So I do think it's going to get easier. Um, For the time being, what I think um, customers should know, and which we try to be transparent about, is that the calculation methodology for any given restaurant that is doing this may differ. So at Just Salad, we, with or without a certification, we're putting that aside. The most important thing is that restaurants and other carbon labeling companies be transparent about what the calculation entails. And at Just Salad, we, have, we created a landing page where we explain our calculation entails things like growing the food and transporting it to our distribution centers. And this is how we did that calculation. And then we're very clear, it does not include things like packaging, which has emissions, embodied emissions, and food waste. 
which we are unable to estimate. We don't know how much food our customers waste. Um, so certification is great, but I think in the absence of that, by the way, it's very expensive. Not every company is going to be able to get that certification. You want to, one, rely on peer-reviewed certified research, which is available. And two, you just need to be really, really upfront with your customers. Does that make sense? I think it does. You know, I think a lot of consumers are looking for, you know, that analog to the USDA organic label when they're looking for a product that is either healthier for them or the environment. But considering you seem to be trailblazing in this area a little bit, it makes sense that there isn't a regulatory body or even, you know, a third party accreditation service. You kind of touched upon it, but do you think that is going to emerge that we are going to see some kind of either government or, you know, third party regulatory kind of body come together to try to organize this? Or do you think it will remain kind of the purview of specific restaurant operators if they choose to do so? It's a great question. I'll answer it in a couple of separate ways. So I think that um, 100% we're in a beta um, stage of this movement. Um, and just salads, carbon labels today are not what they might be in a year or two years as we get better and better analytics and data and tools. Um, to answer your question more directly, though, I think that a couple of things are going to happen. Um, it may not be an accrediting body, but again, I think that there will be tools that are user-friendly, relatively cheap, maybe even free, that you can um, tap into as either a company or a consumer. They'd be open source. And companies could therefore say on their website or wherever, our data was sourced from tool X. And perhaps those tools, one of those tools would become the, the dominant um, source of carbon emissions information across, you know, industries and verticals. Um, and that could spawn, you know, associations and affinity groups or something. I think that um, I, I don't see any indication that there's going to be a policy um, body in any in any um, near term. But I'm already talking to think tanks and experts regularly who want to kind of do something similar at the level of um, companies working together. So those are all promising signs, I think. I would agree. And I think one of the things that's interesting about this is that obviously there's a benefit for the planet, but it doesn't really work unless you have buy-in from your customers. So I'd like to turn to them real quick and just see if you could detail any kind of sales gains since you lost that, uh, launched that climatarian menu and also installed the labeling for the different climate impacts. Yes, I do think that analytics and um analytics are so important in determining whether this label is actually making a difference, right? And so we do pay close attention to that. I think that the best um, insights I have right now, a couple months into the program are, one, um, sales of our climatarian menu items increased 126% week over week when we launched. So just a week over week glimpse showed us that 
with some marketing and awareness raising, which we did, you know, through our normal social and other marketing channels, we saw the popularity of those items just because they were now packaged and curated into the climatarian menu increase dramatically. So what might not have been a very popular menu item prior to the carbon label was now much more popular because we were labeling it as low emissions. And that was exciting. That that was an indicator to us that people really did respond to the call to eat more climate smart, if you make it easy. Um, the other thing we saw was in the, in the several weeks after the launch, those climatarian menu items had a sustained kind of 20% bump over in sales over their pre- the pre-climatarian era. <laughs> so, um, so those are some early signs. We're working with some universities um, to do a more formal study um, that would be control, you know, a controlled study that would evaluate whether carbon labels truly affect how people think about their con- their consumption choices. So just a quick follow-up there. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. So is the entire climatarian menu consisting of items that you had before the labeling, or did you introduce anything new alongside the menu and labeling? That's a great question. And that's I, I think a lot of people don't ask that. But the answer is no, it was all things that we had on our menu. We just wanted to curate the lowest emissions items after we'd done the carbon labels and the calculations so that we could give people that shortcut. So yeah, they're all existing items. So I think those numbers are pretty telling and impressive then that there is demand for this, you know, 20% kind of increase, you know, lasting the last couple of weeks while you launch this. And plus, you know, that 126% bump you mentioned really showcases that there is interest for this. And one of the things you brought up was that you were promoting it on social. So I was just wondering what the social media response was, considering that, you know, I think millennials and Gen Z are probably more in tune with environmental sustainability. And they're also ones that are more typical to be on social media. So I was just wondering what kind of response you guys got uh, when you decided to launch this online. The response we got was um, positive, and the the key words I kept seeing in the um, social media posts and reactions we saw were trust, transparency, um, step in the right direction was um, a phrase people used. Um, other other people commented that it was innovative, um, and and other people just said this is so cool. Um, and you know, I don't know what that, if that means they'll become a, a just out customer and start eating climate smart, but they were at least intrigued by it. Um, so that's all really encouraging. And then among, um, policymakers, you know, we presented carbon labeling at a panel with the U S surgeon general in September. So we at least, um, put put carbon labeling on their radar, which was great because, you know, one thing, Chris, we haven't talked about is that some countries encourage their um, their citizens to eat climate smart in their dietary guidelines. Um, it's certainly something that is, is possible within policy realms. So um, that, that's been great, you know, just to, to get on the radar of a policymaker um, and, um, yeah, I think other companies have also followed suit. We saw Panera and Chipotle, um, 
announced similar but not not identical initiatives in in the last few weeks. And I think that's interesting too, right? It's one of those moments where the industry, even though it competes, this is probably something that would be good for the long-term health of not just businesses and people, obviously, but the planet itself. So it's probably a spot where you're okay with competing in a certain kind of sphere there. I would imagine that, you know, I guess imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, uh, flattery is what I'm trying to say there. Yeah, I, I will compete to, I will compete on carbon labeling any day. I mean, if we're going to compete on something, let's compete on um, curbing greenhouse gas emissions. What could be a nobler competition? Um, <laughs> so it's fine with me for sure. So I'd like to move away from that just a tiny bit. Uh, you know, it's still ancillary, but there's two topics I'd like to bring up. And one is that I just saw a report in Forbes that Just Salad is working with the startup Daring to launch a plant-based chicken product for your menu. And I know that you don't have any red meat on the menu, but you do have chicken. So I was just wondering how this kind of fits into the climate change labeling, uh, the climatarian menu, and just overall what your stance is as a company with plant-based meats uh, and how you might be able to deploy them future on your menu. Yeah, we are very excited to be launching um, Daring Chicken, as you mentioned. Um, I shouldn't call it Daring Chicken. I really should just call it Daring. And it is a plant-based chicken alternative that looks and tastes like chicken and perhaps tastes better than chicken, um, depending on your tastes. Um, so it is, it is our view that offering customers um, choice is a good thing. And so in 2019, we, um, we eliminated beef. So we did not actually increase choice there. We eliminated beef and we replaced it with plant-based beyond beef. And um, with beef, the carbon emissions from beef are so, they, they are so much greater than any, anything else on our menu that it, it was the right thing to do um, from a sustainability perspective. Now, when you get to chicken, it's a very different story because the carbon emissions from chicken are dra dramatically lower than those of beef. So it's not purely a carbon emissions play with chicken and we're keeping real chicken on our menu. It's more of a choice um, play and a way to let people decide if perhaps um, they, they want to try this. Great. Um, some people might want to do it for animal welfare reasons. Some people might want to do it because it's exciting and different. Um, on the carbon emissions front, I should note that it, the, the estimated emissions from uh, daring are lower than those of real chicken. So there, pick your reason for trying it. Um, we're not, we're not um, saying one reason is more valid than the other. We just think it's a great product. It tastes really good. And yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's our newest plant-based protein. I'm actually excited myself to try it just because I know that plant-based chicken has been one of the spots that people have really been working to try to figure out, you know, it appears that the red meat sector has been uh, kind of developed up to the point where we have these beyond meat products and impossible foods products that kind of replicate red meat, but chicken seems to be in a spot where it's still kind of developing. So very exciting and interesting to hear that daring uh, has an option that's tasty. So I'll definitely be looking out for that myself. The last thing I'd like to talk about a little bit too is something that you alluded to at the beginning of the episode, and that is your reusable bowl program and the recyclable bowl program is probably the better way to put it. So can you give uh, our listeners just a quick overview of how that works and kind of how it ties into your overall mission as a company? 
Sure. So in 2006, the year of our founding, um, our CEO, Nick Kenner, said, um, there's got to be a better way. There's so many plastic salad containers out there, and it's great that people are eating healthy. It's more sustainable. But man, these plastic salad containers are everywhere. And um, he went on to develop the Just Salad Reusable Bowl, which um, is is alive and well today. And under the program, you purchase a $1 reusable bowl at any Just Salad location. And every time you bring it back, you get a free topping. So we're rewarding you for using a reusable container versus a disposable container. And, you know, back in 06, to Nick's credit, the plastic waste crisis was not at the fever pitch it's at today. Um, and looking back, it was very prescient. Um, and it's our way of keeping uh, waste out of landfills and, um, and really enabling the circular economy that we're going to need to transition to um, to have a more resource efficient uh, future where we're not ex- so extractive in our methods and we are reusing and repurposing items. I really think that's the direction we should be going in. And so um, you're seeing now copycats of, um, and I say that in a very positive way, you're seeing <laughs> other business models with reusables emerge in our, in, in our industry, which is great. So the last question I'd like to ask is one that I ask a lot of my guests and I ask them to don their fortune teller hat. And what I would like to ask you is where do you think climate inspired menu labeling and just uh, curated menus will be in the next year? And then maybe even tracking that out to five years from now. Yeah, I think that in the next year or two, you're going to see more and more brands introduce a sustainability label on their products, whether that's a pair of jeans, a pair of sneakers, a salad, uh, or something else. Um, And two examples recently of that are um, Allbirds, the shoe brand, they are carbon labeling. And um, Oatly is another example, oat milk brand, they they have on-pack carbon labels. So I think that other brands will be inspired to follow suit. Uh, So I think that's kind of the two-year forecast, um, just more and more. And over the next five years, um, I, 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 I can't tell you what will happen, but I think what should happen is there should be more rigorous education for consumers around what a kilogram of carbon dioxide equivalent is so that companies aren't rushing to get out these carbon labels and leaving customers behind. We should not expect the consumer to intuitively understand what a kilogram of carbon dioxide equivalent is, but we should work towards a future where everyone feels very comfortable with that, just like they feel comfortable reading a calorie label. And all that means is education, conversation, and transparency. Um, So that's the best I can do with my five-year forecast right now. Well, it's definitely something I think we could all strive for. And I think that about wraps it up for us this week on the Food Institute podcast. So Sandra, where can our listeners go to learn more about your business and maybe even more specifically uh, your climate labeling and menu uh, efforts? Sure. Um, Orderdesad.com is where you can see our menu and the carbon labels. And um, justsalad.com slash carbon label if you want to get into the, the nitty gritty and the details. 
So we'll definitely share the relevant links in the description of this video. I'd like to thank Sandra again for her time today. And remember, if you're new to the Food Institute podcast, please follow, like, and share. If you'd like to learn more about the Food Institute, please take a look at the links in our description to learn more about us and what membership could do for you and your company. So until next time, this is Chris Campbell signing off. Thank <music> you.